Okay, so I, you pray for me. Um, I want to go somewhere today. And I want to start out with uh, something that happened to me this week. We're going to continue in this, this talk about the anointing. And, you know, each week we're, we're taking almost like the same story and just turning it just a little bit and looking at it from another angle and seeing a different facet of who he is. All because what we're talking about is not, you cannot retain this up here. It has to be transferred in here. And, and so that, th- this is the greatest distance, I think, in the world, this 18 inches from head to heart. It's the greatest distance. And um, the, you know, I've said this before, my concern is that either I, I speak it from an informational standpoint or we hear it from an informational standpoint. Information is good, but information does not bring change not spiritual change. Jesus said, the words that I speak are spirit and they are life. He didn't say that they're, that they're information in their life. The words that I speak have a transformative uh, as, uh, a characteristic to it. And <clears throat> hopefully the things that we're going to be talking about have a, tra- no, not hopefully they do, have a transformative aspect to it. It's all going to be in the way that we hear, all in the way that we listen. So, uh, something happened to me this week, and I was in my uh, weekly, daily reading, and uh, uh, I found myself in Genesis, probably because I started late. So I'm in Genesis. Okay, good. A few people got it. The rest of it, good. Uh, I'm in Genesis, and uh, it, I'm reading about the story about Abraham and Sarah, and they're trying to conceive, and they couldn't conceive. And they're getting discouraged. And so Sarah says, um, hey, uh, Abraham, why don't you take my uh, um, servant, uh, Hagar, and maybe, maybe we can have children through her. So he did, and she gets pregnant. And during the course of her pregnancy, she starts to get haughty and starts to make fun of Sarah. Well, Sarah gets upset and votes her off the island. She's gone. The only thing about it was, was there was no island. She went out to the desert, out into the wilderness. So she's in the wilderness. Hagar is in the wilderness, and she's crying out to God. And the angel of the Lord comes to her. This is in Genesis 16. The angel of the Lord comes to her and not only tells her that she's carrying a child, she's carrying a significant child, and, and he encourages her, and he encourages her to go back and serve the very person that, was, that just voted her off the island. So that requires a, a significant amount of humility. But that's not my point. So she goes back. Well, in this encounter, she has this revelation where in Genesis 16, 13, she says, it says, it says that Hagar used another name to refer to the Lord. Now, I don't know what her first name, the first name was, but she decided to, to, to change names. And she said, you are the God who sees me. She also said, have I truly seen the one who sees me? So Hagar has this, in, this revelation that there is an invisible God, and although he's invisible, he sees her. And I felt like that this morning that the Lord would say to every single one of us, I see you. I see you. I see 
where you are. I see that difficult thing that you're carrying. I see you. Not just to leave us, and that's not enough, not to know that we are seen. I mean, that's great to know that we're seen, but that he's actually going to do something. He's actually going to help us out. So that's what I want to talk about today. We're going to look at, again, the atonement again from another facet and see what Jesus has done. Last week, we talked about uh, the past tenses of God's word. And um, uh, before we get into that, I've got to set the stage again. Our kind of our our triage of, of verses that we've been circling around or, or, or pulling from every week is this verse in Exodus where the Lord says, even though he owns the earth and all that it contains, he tells Moses, I will meet you here at this place called the atonement cover. From here, I will talk with you. From here, I will give you my instructions. And when you, when you dissect that, which we have been doing the past 11 weeks, when you dissect that verse, the, the, the inference is enormous that what he's talking about is actually a 45-inch by 27-inch box that on this box, so to speak, is where a sacrifice is made. And God is saying, I can meet with you at this place where the sacrifice is made. And if you take that and pull that apart, well, what does that say? Well, that says a a couple of things. Uh, Number one is, why? Why can't you just meet with me anywhere? And it's like God saying, oh, that's because you don't know. Remember, I used to have a chair that was up here. That's because you don't know Psalms 89, 14, righteousness and justice are the foundations of his throne. His throne sits on a government of righteousness and justice. Righteousness, uh, the, the government upholds righteousness and the government administers justice in, when there is penalties that happen. And penalties happen all the time. We call it sin. So this this, this government is being established and God is saying, I, the only place I can meet you because we're separated is this place called the atonement. There, this place, a sacrifice is made where the innocent is substituted for the guilty. And in this place, because my justice of this throne that I'm sitting on demand, or this throne that I'm sitting on demands justice, justice is actually bloodshed. And it's like, wow, heavy stuff. This is heavy stuff. And, and so God is saying, I can meet with you here. That's the only place that I can, it's the only place I can come back to you. It's the only place you can come to me. It's the only place I can come to you. It's through this place called atonement where, where this sacrifice is made, where an innocent life is substituted for the guilty. You with me? Right there, that's where I can meet with you. And we've been talking about in the Old Testament, this is a type of what Jesus has done now that we know in the New Testament because we've read the book. But it's a type. But even though we know it's a type, we're, we're, we, we, we can know some things and skim over, if you would, the, the incredible 
ingredients of what was done for us, for us, and basically what, what, what we're at, what we're, I'm getting ahead of myself, where we are aiming is, is this verse in, in Acts 5.20, that we'd go and speech, preach the whole message of this life, me, the, me getting tongue-tied, it's due to what's happening up here right now, just so you want, pray for me. So if I don't finish my sentences, you guys can follow along with that, right? Just half sentences. <clears throat> so, but speak the whole message of this life. And that's the clarion call right now. Preach the whole message of what Jesus has done. We, growing up in the church, I'm really familiar with part of the message of what he's done. He died for my sins. So I can res- not go to hell. That's, that's part of the call. I mean, that's part of the message. See, I'm, you mixed it now. That's part of it. But there's another part that he died for. There's another part that he came to redeem us from. And this is the part where the church, most of the part, or at least the part that the church that I went to was, didn't realize. I didn't know this. And so if I could say this, I know I'm going to step on someone's toes. But in a way, we have heard a faulty gospel. We've heard a partial gospel. And uh, God, in his mercy, is, is reaching out to us as, as a church, Grace Center, and go, Grace Center, I'm inviting you in. There's a whole lot more uh, uh, about the message of Jesus than what you realize. And, and he's used, the other verse that I, that I didn't put up here is Matthew 22, 29, where it says that your mistake is that you don't know the scriptures and you don't know the power of God. Not, condem- not condemnation, just you're ignorant of it. It's like there's a whole continent worth of life and power that's over here, but because you don't know the scriptures and you don't know the power of God, you're void of it. It's like, wow. So that's where we're headed, and this, that's what we've, that, those have been propelling us through this journey of seeing all that Jesus has done for us. And the byproduct is the worship that we just had. The byproduct is, is as, as Jesus comes online, so to speak, going from this, uh, not, I don't want to say ethereal, but going from this head knowledge to a heart experience, oh my word, it, it puts teeth, it gives us teeth to worship him. So it's just amazing. So, um, so last week we talked about, I'm just going to bounce off of this. I'm doing this just to, I've already gone, done, done uh, I've already spoken this message. Some of you are going, uh, did he really speak it? Um, but I'm doing this to, just to uh, remind us of what I spoke on last week, maybe to remind me of what I spoke on. And that is, we're talking about the past tenses. So this, if you remember, how many people were here last week? Okay. How many people were really here last week? Okay, good. Um, this verse, just to make a point, says the light shines in the darkness and the darkness did not comprehend it. Those are two verb tenses that, according to my honors English teacher, uh, I would have gotten marks off. Actually, my, my sister was here last week. We were talking. We both had the same English teacher. She said, do you remember Jeff, Miss Haynes, remember that time? She, she's, she said, I remember if you try to insert a semicolon where it didn't go, she took off 40 points. I was like, oh, maybe that's why that paper where I was trying to really impress her with my semicolons came back in, ne- in negative numbers. I was like, how do you get below a zero? It's like, this is, this is crazy. Man, I'm in the freezing zone over here. So, but 
We know that there's no grammatical errors in Scripture, and what was put there is actually put there on purpose. What is it saying? The light shines, present tense, and the darkness did not, past tense. What does that mean? The light shines. The kingdom of God is always in present tense. The kingdom of darkness is in past tense. There is a present tense sort of affliction to it, but the, the defeat was, he was, it was defeated in the past. And that's the mindset that, that what, the, what John's trying to say here, the mindset here. It's a, it's a paradigm shift. Oh, oh, well, that, if that's what we're dealing with, oh, this was already taken care of. Yes. So when Jesus said, when Jesus said in John, it is finished, we are looking at several things where he, that he kind of grouped into one little sentence there and it is finished. The, the, the payment, the payment for your penalty, the payment for my penalty, the payment for my sin, the payment for my healing, the payment, the payment for mankind, it is finished. The atonement, it, it's finished. Well, what does that mean? Well, that's what we're looking at. So if you have your... Bibles, I want you to follow along with me. Turn to Galatians chapter 3, verse 13. Because we're going to look at one of the, one of the past tenses that, that, that is in Scripture that's referencing Jesus and what he accomplished on the cross. And it's Galatians 3.13 it says this, But Christ has rescued us from the curse pronounced by the law. When he was hung on the cross, he took himself the curse for our wrongdoing. For it is written in the scriptures, cursed is everyone who is hung on a tree. So just for the sake of time, I want to get to Christ has rescued us from the curse pronounced by the law. What curse? So it's easy for us, it's easy for me, when I'm reading, I can just skim of that, yep, yep, I agree, yep, the curse that was pronounced by the law, and okay, and what? but if you were to ask me, Jeff, what was the curse pronounced by the law, I'd say, I mean, you know, I mean, just mankind, you know, the curse that, that we came under, and, you know, Adam and Eve, and, you know, that whole thing. And there's truth to that, but what Paul is talking about, he's talking about something specific, He's talking about something specific, the curse pronounced by the law. Well, I'm assuming most Israelites, when they read that, they, they knew exactly what he was talking about. He's talking about Deuteronomy 28. And in Deuteronomy 28, I want us to go back and look at it because it, it, it is to our benefit that we unpack and see what Christ became a curse for so that we don't have to become, so that we don't have to carry that. This is where the divine exchange happens. This is where when we realize, okay, he's done this, what does that mean for me? Let go of it. Deuteronomy 28, verses 1, verse 1, not verses, 1 is singular, right? Okay. My honor's English right here. 
If you fully obey the Lord your God and carefully keep all his commands that I am giving you today, the Lord God will set you high above all the nations of the world. You will experience all these blessings <clears throat> if you obey the Lord your God. Then he goes on and lists them. I'm going to read them. Well, you read with me, please. Your towns and your fields will be blessed. Your children and your crops will be blessed. The offspring of your herds and your flocks will be blessed. Your fruit baskets and your breadboards will be blessed. Wherever you go and whatever you do, you will be blessed. Verse 7. The Lord will conquer your enemies when they attack you. They will attack you from one direction, but they will scatter from you in seven. The Lord will guarantee a blessing on everything you do, verse 8, and will fill your storehouses with grain. The Lord your God will bless you in the land he is giving you. Verse 9, if you obey the commands of the Lord your God and walk in his ways, the Lord will establish you as his holy people, as he swore he would do. Verse 10, then all the nations of the world will see that you are a people claimed by the Lord and they will stand in awe of you. The Lord will give you prosperity in the land he swore to, to your ancestors to give you, blessing you with many children, numerous livestock, and abundant crops. The Lord will send rain at the proper time from his rich treasury in the heavens and will bless all the work you do. You will lend to many nations, but you will never need to borrow from them. If you listen to these commands of the Lord your God that I'm giving you today, and if you carefully obey them, the Lord will make you the head and not the tail, and you will always be on top and never at the bottom. I receive. Yeah. But we know that our great, 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 grandparents decided not to do that. So Moses says, however, if you refuse to listen to the Lord your God and do not obey all the commands and decrees that I'm giving you today, all these curses will come and overwhelm you. And he lists these curses, which, by the way, are horrible. They're absolutely horrible. And I don't want to read it extensively because we'd all be walking out of here depressed. Going, but there's no depression here because this is what Jesus has taken. Yeah. So I'm trying to show you what, uh, the reason I'm going through this meticulously is because somewhere, I bet, somewhere in this room, somebody is lining up with a curse that they don't realize that he's taken for, for them. Okay? So, so in same chapter, Verse uh, 16, it starts out, says, and it says, you shall be cursed in the city and in the country. Your fruit baskets and your breadboards will be cursed. Your children and your crops will be cursed. The offspring of your herds and flocks will be cursed or your possessions. Uh, wherever you go, whatever you do, you will be cursed. The Lord himself will send on you curses, confusion, and frustration in everything you do until at last you are completely destroyed for doing evil and abandoning me. The Lord will afflict you with diseases until none of you are left in the land you are about to enter and occupy. 
The Lord will strike you with wasting diseases, fever and inflammation, with scorching heat and drought and with blight and mildew. These disasters will pursue you until you die. And if you look at inflammation, I just did a a real quick snapshot. There is a ton of things that are centered around inflammation. Inflammation can cause heart disease, cancer, arthritis, all all the autoimmune uh, disorders, Alzheimer's, diabetes, asthmas, pancreatitis, neurological disorders, just from inflammation. You see how we can just skim through there? Yeah, inflammation. Okay, yeah, I got that. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what? This my, my ankle sore a little bit. No, no, no. It, it, it's a whole lot more than that. The skies above will be as unyielding as bronze, and the earth beneath will be as hard as iron. Verse 24, the Lord will change the rain that falls on your land into powder, and dust will pour down from the sky until you're destroyed. The Lord will cause you to be defeated by your enemies. You will attack your enemies from one direction, but you will scatter from them in seven. You will be an object of horror to all the kingdoms of the earth. The Lord will afflict you with the boils of Egypt, with tumors, scurvy, and the itch that you cannot be cured from. There's a, uh, yeah, scurvy has to do with gum disease and and that sort of thing. It's not anything fun that I'd want to have. You will grope around in broad daylight like a blind person groping in the darkness, but you will not find your way. You will be oppressed and robbed continually, and no one will come to save you. In other words, it's the one step forward, two step back syndrome. And then he continues, you'll be engaged to a woman, but another man will take her. You will, be, you will build a house, but someone else will live in it. You'll plant a vineyard, but no, will never enjoy its fruit. Your ox will be butchered before your eyes. You will not eat, eat a single bite of the meat. Your donkey will be taken from you. Your sheep and your goats will be given to your enemies. There's no one there to help you. You will watch as your sons and daughters are taken away as slaves. Your heart will break for them, but you won't be able to help them. Then that can mean in the physical and the spiritual. The addictions, it's talking about the addictions. You will watch as your sons and daughters are taken away as slaves. Oh, your heart will break for them. A foreign nation uh, uh, you have never heard about will eat the crops you work so hard to grow. You will suffer under constant oppression and harsh treatment. You'll go mad because of all the tragedy. I don't hear anybody going, amen, amen, brother. Keep preaching. (laughs) The Lord will cover your knees and legs with uncurable boils. It's like, oh, my word, stop, please. We get it. From head to foot. And you will plant vineyards and care for them, but you will not drink the wine or eat the grapes, for worms will destroy the vines. You will grow olive trees throughout the land, but you will never use the olive oil. Uh, for, the, for the fruit will drop before it ripens. You will have sons and daughters, but you will lose them for they'll be led away into captivity. Swarms of insects will destroy your trees. The foreigners living among you will become stronger and stronger while you become weaker and weaker. They will lend money to you, but you will not lend to them. They will be the head and you will be the tail. Whew. Now, remember, this, this, this whole thing has an upswing, Okay. But in case that's not enough, verse 61 says this, the Lord will afflict you with every sickness and plague there is, even those not mentioned in this book of instruction until you are destroyed. And so, you know, so what's not mentioned? 
addictions, deafness, lameness, ALS, AIDS, paralysis, digestive issues, smallpox, nervous disorders, brain disorder of every, I mean, I'm just, you know, it's just like good night. If you can identify it, then it's part of the curse. That's the bad news. The good news is that Jesus took our place and he became cursed so that we can live in freedom. Christ has rescued us from the curse. Now listen to me. Oh, be careful how you hear. Be careful how you hear. I'm talking to here. You can't get it from here. It's okay. If you can't reach out and grab it, just hold on. Remember, faith comes. Faith comes by hearing. Faith comes. So you just hold on. Just because you're not there yet, don't let go of what I'm talking about. You keep it up on a shelf. That's what I do. I have a mental shelf. I have a lot of shelves. You keep it on a shelf. You hold on to it. Because faithful is he who called you who also will do it. So hold on. Don't check out on me. Jesus Christ has, become, has re- rescued us from the curse pronounced by the law. In Galatians 3, 5, we go back a couple of verses, more than a couple. Paul says, I ask you again, does God give you the Holy Spirit and work miracles among you because you obey the law? Remember we talked about the math equation? If I do, then he will. But if I don't, then he won't. That has to do with, does God give you the Holy Spirit and work miracles because you obey the law, because you do something? Of course not. It's because you believe the message that you hear about Christ. All of our healing, all of our deliverance, all of our salvation was paid for by him and him alone. It's only him. Only Jesus. Only him. That's why God, on the Mount of Transfiguration, he, interrupt this, he interrupts this supernatural party that's happening, so to speak, where Peter, James, and John are all in awe, seeing Moses and, and Elijah talking to Jesus, and their clothes are different. And, and Peter steps up and says, hey, this is good that we should be here. I'll create, let's build three tabernacles, and let's just stay here and tabernacle together. And the Lord, God, comes down in the cloud and says, this is my son, listen to him. It's pointing back to everything's found in Jesus. Everything points for from him and through him and to him are all things. So I want to get back. So everything, you know, Jesus says, uh, you search the scriptures because in them you think that you have eternal life, but these only speak of me, but you won't come to me that you'll have life. And so I want to go back and, and, and take the, the places in Scripture that are pointing to him and kind of bring it full circle. So back in Exodus 25, this is the first verse I think we used 
um, uh, the first week was the explanation about the Ark of the Covenant. The cherubim will face each other and look down on the atonement cover with their wings spread above it. They will protect it. Have you guys seen a picture of that? With the, with the angels like this over the box? Place inside the ark the stone tablets inscribed with the terms of the covenant. Then put the atonement cover on top of the ark. I will meet with you there and talk to you from above the atonement cover between the gold cherubim that hover over the ark of the covenant. From there, I will give you my commands for Israel. In Hebrews, the writer of Hebrews points to that in chapter 9, and he tells it like this. He's talking about the, 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 the tabernacle, the sacred tent. And he says, behind the second curtain was a room called the most holy room. It had the golden altar. It had the wooden chest called the Ark of the Covenant covered with gold. It held the gold jar of manna, Aaron's wooden staff that had budded also. This uh, uh, had budded also the stone tablets. The words of the covenant were written on them. And in Hebrews 9, 5, it says this, the cherubim were above the ark. God showed his glory there. The cherubim spread their wings over the place where sin was paid for. Another past tense. So this, in the Old Testament, was a symbol of what Jesus was going to accomplish in the New Testament. Look at this. In John chapter 20, this is after Jesus has uh, died, he's in the tomb, and he's been resurrected, but his disciples and Mary, they don't know it. Mary stood outside by the tomb weeping, and as she wept, she stooped down and looked into the tomb. And she saw two angels in white sitting, one at the head, the other at the feet, where the body of Jesus had lain. the place where sin was paid for. Jesus answered and said, this is the work of God that you believe in him whom he sent. Everything for our deliverance, everything for our healing, everything is found in him, everything. Now again, I can say that and it hits right up here in the information category. But to really live it, it's got to be transferred down here into re living revelation or living understanding. That's why we keep looking at this over and over and over. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It is the power of God. This is the power of God. Us hearing what Jesus has done as we're listening to it, it is a display of the power of God. The power of God is found through his son, Jesus Christ. The power of God is in this place where he says, I will meet you here. I can meet with you here. From here, I can talk to you. From here, I will give you my instructions. From here. Here is actually a person. His name is Jesus. I can meet with you there. I can meet with you with Jesus. Because of what Jesus has done for you, I now, we're, we're now at peace. I have peace with you. Because of what Jesus has done, you're absolved from the curse. The curse, I place the curse on him. It's not on you. Just to reiterate, all of us like sheep have strayed away. We've left God's path to follow our own and yet the Lord laid on him the sins of us all. 
He has trans- rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. The forgiveness couldn't come without the purchase. There is no, uh, there is no forgiveness without the shedding of blood. Hagar used another name, you are the God who sees me. She also said, have I truly seen the one who sees me? And I feel like that this is the question that we're left with. Have I truly seen the one who sees me? Have you seen the one that sees you? What I'm, what I'm talking about today, what I've been talking about over the, all, the course of these several weeks is for us to look at the one who sees us. We see what he's done. Let me pray. So, Father, we come before you in the name of Jesus because, Jesus, you purchased this right for us. We come before you in the name of Jesus. And, Lord, I thank you for all that that. Jesus has done for us. And I now, in the name of Jesus, use the name of Jesus to break off any ill effects of the curse that people, of the curses that people are carrying in here in Jesus' name. I break that off of you in Jesus' name. All curses in Jesus' name. Ill effects, body soul and spirit. In the body, in the name of Jesus, I command. In the name of Jesus, I say be realigned. In Jesus' name, in re- be realigned. Could you all stand? Would you stand with me? Be realigned. Lord, let there be a realignment in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. where finances have gotten upside down in the name of Jesus, let there be a realigning. Lord, I ask, Lord, that where, where there have been strongholds of thinking that have been set up, that's been passed down through the generations, I ask, Lord, that you would demolish the strongholds of thinking, Lord, in our minds that would keep us from walking in the abundance of what you provided for us. In the name of Jesus, I ask, Father, Lord, I thank you. It says that you laid on him, actually, the iniquity of us all. Lord, I, in the name of Jesus, I ask that the blood of Jesus and the name of Jesus be applied to every iniquitous sin in our lives in the name of Jesus and eradicate it and pull us out, if you would, from the, from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of the son of your love. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, I declare, Lord, you're the one that opens the door that no man can shut and you shut the door that no man can open. And over your life, every door that leads to death, in the name of Jesus, I say, be closed. And in the, and in the, over your life, every door that leads to life, I say, be open in Jesus' name. You just receive it. Don't look for the symptoms. Don't look to see if you feel it or anything like that. You take the word of God as the word of God. The word of God has enough power to open, open and close doors. You take it at that face value. Don't wait till you see something or till you feel something.
And we declare, like what Christine said, that we are the bride and we are being raised up. This is Jesus coming back to his church and raising the church up. Lord, we thank you. Thank you, Lord, that you're teaching us. Thank you, Lord, that you're delivering us. Thank you, Lord, that all of these things, thank you. We bless you. I just speak over you the shalom of God, the shalom of God from the top of your head to the bottom of your feet and all that that entails. If you want to know what shalom means, it's more than peace. It's everything you want for Christmas. Christmas.